Thank you for downloading this podcast from BJOG. This is a podcast of the editorial for the May 2022 issue of BJOG. My name is Patrick Chen. The International Day of Action for Women's Health falls on the 28th of May. It is therefore most appropriate that I devote my editorial to highlight articles that report on initiatives and the signs to improve women's health. It is now generally accepted that a modern maternity healthcare service should encompass a surveillance system to identify and review all maternal and perinatal deaths in order to learn lessons from such outcomes. It is hoped that such a learning system will lead to improvements in maternity care and the health of pregnant women. The World Health Organization has recently launched their global technical guidelines on maternal and perinatal death surveillance and response, which is also known as MPDSR, with operational guidance and tools for implementation of such surveillance systems. One of the barriers identified in the successful uptake of MPDSR is a blame culture that still exists within healthcare systems. Keeney and colleagues discussed 10 strategies on how to identify and deal with the blame culture associated with MPDSR. They also highlighted that this culture can exist at three different levels within the healthcare system, individual or micro, organizational or meso and national policy and political or macro levels. At each level, supportive measures need to be in place to minimize this culture of blame. Most obstetricians will be familiar with such clinical reviews at departmental or hospital level but there's often a lack of participation and engagement at the organisational level. For example, when there is an adverse interpartum outcome and a lack of resources such as the absence of a sufficient number of midwives and other staff in the labour ward has been identified as a contributor to this outcome, it is not uncommon for this issue to remain as a low priority within the healthcare organisation. Instead, blame is shifted to some other individuals or factors. Another barrier to the implementation of MPDSR is the lack of protected professional time being allocated for such reviews. Although there may be sessions allocated for administrative work and meetings for attendance at morbidity and mortality meetings in formal job plans, clinicians are often asked to fill for absences by colleagues at clinics, operating theatres, and on calls due to sickness and other unforeseen circumstances. Unless there is engagement at all levels of the healthcare organisation with this process, such barrier will continue to hamper progress in the improvement of women's healthcare. The use of hormonal contraception has allowed women to control their fertility and also in some cases also to treat heavy and or irregular menstrual bleeding. There has been concern about the possible association between hormonal contraceptive use and subsequent depression. London and colleagues reported their findings from a large population-based study in Sweden on a lack of an association between the combined oral contraceptive pill with depression for girls aged between 15 and 24 years old. There was a small increase in risk for those taking the progesterone-only pill, especially those in a younger 15 to 19 years age group. The use of non-oral hormonal contraceptives was also associated with small increased risks for depression compared to non-users. 
This study should provide further assurance that oral hormonal contraception is generally safe for clinical use. Another important determinant of women's health is the availability of convenient and safe provision of early termination of pregnancy. In the UK, the COVID-19 pandemic has resulted in the early termination of pregnancy service, which is up to 10 weeks of gestation being delivered almost exclusively with telemedicine. Patients undergo a telephone consultation with a nurse. Provided there is no ambiguity with the gestation of the pregnancy from the last menstrual period, and there are no legal or medical contraindications for the procedure, the therapeutic agents, mefepristone and misoprostol, are posted out to women seeking this service with clear instructions on self-administration. Women are also given contact details of the service should there be any concerns or problems encountered with the procedure. They are also requested to undertake a subsequent urine pregnancy test at home after the procedure in order to ensure that it has been successful. In their article, Regan and colleagues reported that maintaining this model of care for this service in the UK can potentially save between £1.5 and £3 million per year. It has now been suggested that this model of care may become the norm for this service even after the pandemic is over. I also like to highlight that there is a call for papers for our 2023 team issue on gynecological oncology. I would encourage you all to submit high-quality research work on the above topic to us. The deadline for this submission is the end of May 2022. Lastly, I need to pay tribute to the bravery and resilience of the Ukrainian people in standing up to the unprovoked aggression from outside their country. One can only hope that this conflict, which is generating an immense amount of human tragedy, will end soon. I'm also touched to see the offer of generous help provided by people from the neighbouring countries and beyond. I had the pleasure to visit Kyiv back in 2013 to teach on the development of clinical guidelines and was warmly welcomed there. Almost the entire world is united to be with the people of Ukraine. Thank you very much for your attention. Thank you for listening to this podcast from BJOG. We have been reporting the best research in women's health since 1902. We are keen to hear your views. Tweet us at BJOG Tweets. You can find more podcasts at www.bjog.org.